You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John, and tonight joined by Jeff. How you doing? All right, mate. It's been a while. It's been a while. How are you? All right, aye. I think it's far too late for me to say Happy New Year to you now. Um, yeah, don't worry to be fair. But I am alright. Uh, good to have you back. And Erin, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Yeah, I'm not sure I picked the right night to be here for this, but never mind. Well, it's alright. We, we kind of covered Aberdeen in fine detail last week, so we'll maybe kind of not touch too much about it this week. Um, I think we should speak about Hibs only up until Friday evening. <laughs> only up until Friday evening, right, okay. Um, so I we're delighted to be joined by returning guest who's been on a couple of the Premiership uh, podcasts which have been really good. So Charlie, how you doing? You good? I'm good, mate. It's hard not to be bad after being a brain six now. So hi, I'm good. I'm good. Aye. Thanks for having me back on. I know, pleasure. Uh, good to have you back on. So plan for tonight is we'll talk a wee bit about Hib season so far. Um, there's a few people obviously interested in thoughts about Lee Johnson and various different things. Transfer window is. A well, due in tomorrow. Um, so we'll touch a wee bit about that in terms of the situation. I don't think there's been too much happening in other places. As usual in Scotland, doesn't tend to be much happening in January. Um, a bit about memories, a bit of fan special in terms of like stuff from like when you kind of started supporting Hibs, etc. And just generally good times and bad times supporting Hibs, which I'm sure there will be plenty. So um, may as well get started. The main one just now is... Yeah, we touched on the game on Saturday. Hibs sits Aberdeen now. Um, Lee Johnson. So, <laughs> Lee Johnson, generally, most fans, not really a fan of him. Would that be fair to say? I I think that <clears throat> there's a vocal, vocal Hibs support that want him out. Um, and that hasn't changed after the weekend. I think I'm sort of 70-30 in the way of him going. Um don't think he's the man to take us forward. Um, but obviously, getting results like we did on Saturday, I think if he can get more of them going forward, then I think he will be the man to take us forward. But it's hard not to see it as sort of masking over the fact that Aberdeen are so poor at the weekend. But um, I, I think, I think he needs time. But I'm also, I think time's also running out as well. You know. Exit in both cups at first opportunity. That should never ever happen at Hibs or any team in the SPL for that matter. Um, but I think I think the I think the warning signs were there early. It wasn't going to be a good season. Um, but aye, we live in hope as Hibs fans. But it's no it's no promising just now. You know, uh, I was just going to say you're not a little bit more cheerful with that. That's bit is obviously turned down. Millwall. It's true. We've turned down an offer from a uh, from Wigan tonight for for Nisbet as well. So I think if we can keep him, then ideal. I think he'll score a he'll score a barrel. Lord, he's already got eight since he came back. So that is positive. Um, and I think if we can keep him scoring, then we'll probably finish towards the top end of the table. I would say. Yeah, there's any positives to take from Johnson's range so far, or not? Um. It's hard because there's a lot there's a lot more negatives than there are positives. I think defensively, 
we've looked awful up until Nisbet came back. We weren't we weren't good good going forward, but that's changed. I think Boyle getting injured was a big miss. Um, I think the only real positive is that he's he's been able to turn <clears throat> players like Rocky and. Josh Campbell into good players, at least I think Rocky's a better player than most people make him out to be, and Josh Campbell's been a revelation this season. Um, he's our top goal scorer, or joint top goal scorer now with eight goals, and for an attacking midfielder, that's a pretty good return, so that's probably the only two, I would say. Right, right. What is it, five of them against Aberdeen, I think? Ah, he scored two at Easter Road and then a hat-trick obviously on Saturday there, so he does, he, he must like playing Aberdeen because um, that's really the, the team he scored his most goals against this season. Aye, definitely. Um, obviously, big blow in terms of defensively losing Porteous. Yep. Um, do you think, well, I suppose you've got that loan there tonight, haven't you? CJ Riley or something like that? Aye, we got him in early this morning for Burnley, so he comes with a good pedigree as well mm-hmm. for what I've read. Um, spent 10 years in Man City's academy and kept a clean sheet in the Champions League, so it's a promising sign, so See, I hope he does well. Aye, on the subject of Portis, Josh, that sometimes he's a maker on the podcast, he did say, uh, Portis is the best hip centre-back this century. To what extent do you agree with this statement? I don't know whether he's been turning cheek or not. but It's hard to look past players like Paul Hanlon, to be honest. I'm not a big Paul Hanlon fan, but Paul Hanlon won the cup with us, so it's hard to look past him and McGregor. But I think sentimentality aside, Portis is probably our best defender this century. I think... You know what you were getting with Porteous? Uh, sometimes he was a bit too rash, but I think he's a no-nonsense defender, and I think um, he'll definitely be a big miss. I think we'll definitely lack that aggression in, in defence going forward until we replace him, which hopefully this new boy is his replacement. I think he's likely then to come straight in as opposed to such playing. It's hard. It's hard, mate, because I wouldn't change. I, I wouldn't change the team from Saturday tomorrow up in Dingwall. I think you need to che- you need to keep consistency with a winning team. Um, but I think you know there is room for him to play. Paul Hanlon's playing with an injury just now, so if Johnson is wanting to give him a rest, then I would I would say start him. But obviously, it comes with a lack of experience. Will Fish had only played four professional games before he moved to Hibs, and. Egan Riley's only played six, so it does. There's room to be desired, room to be desired there with the experience barrier. But I think why not throw him in? You know, Dingwall's a, a hard place to go. They're a physical team, and they've got Eamon Brophy up front, who's a handful. So I would, you know, if he does start, I would say he's going to have a a busy night. But hopefully, um, he manages to keep a clean sheet. Uh, you want to say something, Nigel? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, um, how's the um... The one that's interested me this season is Harry McCurdy because he's come up with like a great, obviously, a fairly decent reputation, especially for swimming down. Um, just how do you think he's been performing? Because I remember when he was at, I think he started his career off in the Aston Villa, uh, Aston Villa in the youth teams there. Yeah. I remember seeing him in a youth FA Cup game because I'm sad. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he was phenomenal. But yeah, do you think at some point, obviously, with obviously, with obviously, Doyle's injuries. Do you think he's going to get his opportunities because he likes playing through the middle? He's not really a winger, from what I remember. Yeah, uh, he's he's more of a number nine. Um, but he got a rare start on Saturday because obviously Nisbet was down at Millwall. Obviously rejected the deal and was back up, but hadn't he trained all week. So Johnson played him and he worked his socks off all game. I thought um, was closing down everything. And I mean, Andy Shinney's a big boy, but. Uh, McCurdy bodied him twice so I think 
I think there's definitely a player there. I just think he needs a run in the team. And I think for his confidence, I think he needs a goal now. I think he's played something like 13 times for Hibs and hasn't he scored. So it's obviously not a great return for someone you paid for Hibs standards a good bit of money for. So, But I think there's a player there. I think I've liked what I've seen so far of him. I think he um, played 75 minutes on Saturday there and was one of our better players. So I would like to see him get more of a run in the team and hopefully find his scoring form soon. Because I think if he gets one, he'll like like he did at Swindon last season. He got 28. So I think get one and I think they'll fly in. He's also a gobshite to be fair, and that's not how it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, uh, I think his, hair, his haircut's not, uh, not bringing him any positives, that's for sure. <laughs> no one copying it in the stands yet, no? Not that I've seen, um, and I don't, I don't, I don't think I'll see any of this season. It was different fifteen years ago when Ryden done it because it was cool to have a, a mohawk, mohawk, mohican back then. But it's no now. Wait two scores a hat trick on there uh, tomorrow night. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I everyone will have it. <laughs> um, we like I think last week and probably previously we've touched on the fact that like manager wise in terms of Johnson was to go and Aberdeen are obviously in a similar situation with Goodwin. There's no real outstanding candidate in Scotland. No. So what approach would be likely to be taken? Would it be a case of getting another marriage after down south or would it be looking abroad, Jig? I'd like us to push the boat out with the next one. Um, I don't know when Johnson will leave. He's got a four-year contract, so I would hope that he would be able to see the four years out. But I think we were in talks with John Dal Thomason in the summer and he was the preferred candidate for everyone, but there was a yeah. few external factors that he never came so I would like to see us get someone and I think Aberdeen fans would agree like someone of that calibre that is going to come in and sort of change the team I think um, we need someone who's going to bring that sort of European style of football and I think you know like what Ange's done at Celtic obviously with 10 times less the budget but like someone that knows knows about world football and not just the boring Scottish game I think would would be massive for Hibs I think we need someone who as a wider variety of market as well. I think we, for so long, we just went Scottish Championship, lower end of the Scottish Premiership. And for for some some of the deals that it worked, but I think I would like to see us expand our horizons a bit. Aye. And then I think we spoke at, was it, I think whether it's prior to Saturday or after, um, it might have been prior to Saturday and Twitter about behind the scenes as well, not just like the situation with Johnson being the manager, yeah. but the director of football stuff and all that. It's not particularly working out that well at Hibs either, is it? No, we got rid of Graham Maffey eh, just over a year ago. Um, ben Kinsell, the CEO, said Hibs are too small of a club to have a director of football, which raised a few eyebrows, as you can imagine. Um, and then 18 months later, he's coming out after a, a win against Motherwell saying, actually, we need one because we're not being run well off the park. So... There's a few questions that that have been asked there by a lot of Hibs fans that we're still waiting to get answers for. But as of right now, no one's came in. Uh, there's talks that John Park's coming in, but ultimately we want someone who knows knows football. You know, we're not wanting someone who is American Ron Gordon's pal who's never let, ran a football team in his life. You know, we want someone who's got that experience um, and will hopefully bring bring some good players in in the transfer window as well. Uh, I think in Scotland it's still a quite quite a new thing and I don't think a lot of the managers that are Scottish in particular um, like it and even I don't think as well managers coming from down south and that's part of the problem but if you're thinking yeah. we touched on it last week with Aberdeen if you want like a kind of strategy in place and you want to have a situation where by regardless of who the managers is 
so whoever's coming in should be able to hit the ground running and just just be a bit of continuity. But I don't know. What do you think, Jeff, Aaron, on that subject? Uh, I mean, United, we've got a <laughs> director of football who, depending on how bad the team performs, depends on how much juice he gets given. Um, I think the idea is a good idea, and it, in principle, it, it works. It's a, it's a sensible thing, and it's a thing that we should all uh, try and follow. I do think the club needs to be at a certain stature to justify it. I mean, teams like Hibs, Aberdeen, Hearts, who are trying to grow off the field as much as they are on the field, it makes sense to have someone as that bridge. I think for Aberdeen, uh, we'll come on to it in a wee bit, we're not going to touch on too much, but I think for Aberdeen, a director of football would be, who is an actual nose football, would be handy at the minute to stop Dave Cormack getting on the telly, because that's needed. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but it's needed. Um, the problem is, is, the director of football, I don't think it's a fully understood job, as clearly as it should be. Yeah. And people get confused. I think people get confused between team performances and director of football's role yeah. in that. And then they create at the same time see the commercial side of the thing and get confused with what the director of football does and they talk in, in connection to that as well. And I think that's part of the issue. I think managers, like United have got Liam Fox at the minute, right? I'm not going to proclaim to be Liam Fox's biggest fan, but I also don't think he's much of a disaster as he has been portrayed in the past. I think for younger managers, I know obviously. Used to, neither of you will enjoy this, but Hearts, it's worked for Hearts quite well. Yeah. But it proves that it does work and it proves that a manager, if they're willing to accept it, it's a very good, it works very well. Um, even for Rangers, it, it's worked for them up to a point as well. Um, but I think the problem is the role isn't fully understood. And because in the UK, I mean, like the whole of the UK in this situation, England included this. We got so used to like managers like Alec Ferguson or Arsene Wenger or even like Herbert Chapman, like people that basically run the club. We expect the manager to do the same. And if a manager has named a head coach because as a director of football, we instantly view it as that manager's not really what are they there for. Um, and I think that's a concern. I think also the concern that people have is the signing policies seems to be a one that's thrown at directors of football all the time. Uh, like why have we signed X, Y, and Z? The manager's just a head coach these days. It must be the director of football, and that's not always the case. Usually it's a case of it's a three or four-man pa- panel where it's like the manager, it's, director of football. We call it the football monitoring board. board. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> I did notice that name change. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the problem. If you all had a football monitoring board, it would actually be fine. So I think as long as you've got one of those, no problem. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know we had one, but we do have one. It's good. Monitoring it, just just great. Just one, just to make sure it's safe, just make sure it's going right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I think it's a case of we need to educate ourselves on what a director of football does, but I think equally at the same time, it needs to be made more clear by clubs exactly what the remit is. And if we have both of those bits of information, we can still argue that the director of football don't know what they're doing, but at least we've got some idea of what they're doing, if that makes any sense. It's weird, though, when we're talking about like maybe um, Scottish clubs and managers from abroad, they're maybe a bit more used to it and understand yeah. how it works. Whereas I definitely do. I remember when Goodwin came in at Aberdeen, part of the kind of situation was that he wasn't very keen on having a director of football. He was very much hands on with everything, um, which is probably caused something at the extent because even when you hear about the kind of coaching side of things and he's very hands on, he doesn't like other people getting involved. He's probably left himself too much work. You need to surround yourself with a team of people that can have expertise in different fields because one of these clubs must be 
a nightmare. Uh, uh, with everything there is to do. So I don't know. Maybe over time we we'll could kind of see it uh, work better in Scotland. I think for Jim Goodwin, it might be a case of when he was at St. Millen, the CEO was obviously Tony Fitzpatrick, and he had a very good relationship with Tony Fitzpatrick. St. Millen don't have a director of football, but their CEO, obviously Tony Fitzpatrick, um, was doing a lot of that stuff. So maybe it's a case of like at St. Millen, he just had that one man above him that he could communicate with, got on well, had, had a good rapport. Whereas Aberdeen, we all know that Chairman's very proactive with the, very interactive with the club. He's then got a director of football. He's then got other people as well involved. I think it might be a case of it got a bit a bit confusing, a bit messy, a bit out of hand. And he was used to it at St. Millen and at Alloa, where he's had just one person above him that he can communicate with easily enough. And they take away a lot of the extra stuff. At Aberdeen, maybe he's seen there's a bit more to it and he's, he's not really taken to it. That's possibly the case. Obviously, you and Evan have a lot more stronger opinions on your director of football than I ever will. Um, but yeah, maybe that might not have helped this case. Maybe he took on too much trying to just try and work his way around all these situations. More political, that's what I was looking for. More political than it would have been at something. Yeah, I, Aaron, obviously you missed last week, but I don't know whether you've got any opinions or thoughts you want to share just now about the whole situation. Yeah, I missed last week. Um, yeah. Um... It's not great, is it? Um, Darvel was Tynecastle was ridiculous. Darvel was um, an absolute disgrace. It is, um, and it's not to say that you know Darvel are rubbish, but the players that we have should be able to beat Darvel on a Monday night. And it's, I think it is very easy to say it's entirely the manager's fault. When actually, if you look at it, those players, I've seen those players play well. And I think it is, yeah, it's maybe harsh to say they've down tools, but I think some of them have. So, you know, people have off games, people have not great days. There are some of those players I have not thought have been brilliant much this season, but there are players there who are good, genuinely decent players. And some of them have definitely packed in. And... Whether that is because there's some kind of issue behind the scenes or whether it's just no one can really be bothered or I don't know. But um yeah, I mean I've seen I've seen every single one of them have a decent game, not necessarily throwing games, but it is not correct to say that they are all absolutely terrible because they're not. And realistically, they should be looking at their best on a Monday night against Darvel. Those Darvel players have all been to their actual proper jobs. And and our players who are meant to be decent and who I have seen be decent turn up and most of them look like they've never seen a football before in their lives. And then Saturday, I watched Saturday um, in a very nice um, outdoor cocktail bar in Seville. It was very warm and lovely. And genuinely, I was like, is this a joke? And that's, that is what it's got to, where like you actually think, surely not, Like th- this cannot I mean, Tynecastle bad, Darvel horrendous, and then Saturday was just. And I've seen people say, "Are these players trying to actually get the manager sacked? What's going on?" I don't think it's as bad as that, but I think definitely there is an element of some of them just not being interested because there is no way. I mean, we've beaten Hibs already this season. We've also beaten Hearts this season. We have played some decent games this season. The, the League Cup game against Rangers was not terrible performance. We pretty much beat them at home and then decided to give up. 
we have had results this season and performances this season that are good. And Saturday was genuinely disgraceful. Aye, and, the problem has been though all these good performances have been at home. Yeah, but even away, I mean, the League Cup was away, but we were all right, Motherwell away. I've been to away games where we've actually played all right. Tynecastle, no. Saturday looked terrific. Um, Darvel, atrocious. League Cup groups, brilliant away. Um, we've Aye, had but that was playing, right away that was playing against lower opposition. I, I don't think particularly in Not the Premiership we've done much at all. Um, away from home, and that's been a big part of the problem, you think? What was it before the World Cup? Things were looking kind of relatively good. I think there still there was concerns about some of the results, but we're in a pretty healthy position. You're thinking, right, European football looks maybe good for that season. We had the cup coming, uh, semi final, and then the double match. Like, forget about that. But the weird one I thought was like, see, after the semi final, all the plaudits are coming out about, oh, yeah, did well, etc., etc. We did, we lost the game. So, seeing the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter much. No, but it is nice to see. I mean, other than Anthony Stewart losing his mind, he actually had a decent game. And it is... Obviously, I would rather they played terribly and it was the most boring game in the entire world and we won than all oh, the football was good to watch and, you know, we're out of the cup. But it gives you some sense of hope that actually there are some players there. Genuinely, Saturday was... I mean, that's our worst ever result at Easter Road and it's it, that is probably the embarrassment of the season for me. Because no offence to Hibs, they're not the great. And 6-0 is probably not a fair reflection on the team that we have in terms of the players. I mean, it's probably a fair reflection on their attitude at the moment. I don't understand what we do now from here. We've got Defender in today. I mean... You would think, though, well, like, see, in terms of professional pride after that embarrassment of last Monday, that there'd be a reaction on Saturday. There's no reaction at all. No, which is why I think that's, the problem is that's that a lot of them just aren't arsed. Do you think? Do you think the? Do you think the players gave up when they seen that banner in the crowd? I think the players. I think there is obviously an issue, whereby for whatever reason there has not been a great deal of synergy between the manager and some of the players, which has led yep. to whether deliberately or not. There is an element, I think, of not. It sounds bad to say I think they went out and a lot of them just didn't try, but I think that must be the case because people have off games. Of course they do, but you don't have... I mean, Liam Scales has packed it in, surely. He's got worse every game. And I've seen him... Like, that's the thing. You, players can have lucky games, but generally, most of those players are decent. You don't know why Graham Shinney wasn't playing on Monday. That was nonsense. He and his should have been starting. Well, the reports are falling out after it's in Castle. Shinny and Goodwin has to be pulled apart at half time, whether it's true or not, because these things can be Chinese whispers and not be true. But we've had like previous incidents, instances where we've heard about Goodwin falling out with players. Who knows? Maybe the players did just, I mean, that's the thing with football. Like, regardless of the kind of manager, like the manager can put across the ideas, this, that, the other. Player power is probably kind of too, it's too big now in football. It's so easy. We used to always like talk about England and how quickly clubs are changing manager for like success and different things like that. It is transferring over to Scotland. I'm not saying Goodwin shouldn't have lost his job because after what's happened, yeah, but there's no way the players should have professional pride to go out there and want to do better. I think there is an issue. I think the Andy Constein thing was not brilliant. Now, whether he should still be playing or not, probably not, because I think long. T- I mean, 
the St Johnston game at Pataudry, he not good. And would he have been in the squad even if we kept him? Probably, well, actually probably would be at the moment, but ideally probably not. The way that was dealt with, though, I think was bad. And I think... I think it probably causes issues. I think bringing in a new player and making them captain is fine. If they are a captain, Anthony Stewart is absolutely not. I don't understand where that's come from. I give a captain at Wickham. Pretty sure he was captain at Wickham. Yeah, but then... I don't know. I think bringing in a brand new player and making them captain when there's no real experience in Scottish football. Jim Goodwin didn't know him. It was all a bit strange. And I get probably what the intention of that was, which is here's a fresh start, here's a new team. But I think that causes issues. Joe Lewis was dropped for a keeper who... Now, Joe Lewis has not had a good week and a half. I will give him that. But Joe Lewis was dropped for a keeper who I don't actually think is any better than him. On his day, Joe Lewis is excellent. And uh, yeah, Joe Lewis has now had to come Lewis back in with day. absolutely no confidence, having been dropped for someone else. I think Graham Shinney's back. I don't know if that's caused problems with other players who have now been dropped. Connor Barron doesn't want to stay. Um, with Sobin playing, get rid of him then. Fine. I think there is a lot of... There's obviously something going on with Bazawin. There are... He was Majofsky. So Majofsky, right, obviously a good player. He did nothing away from home until, what, the Rangers semi. He scored a few goals. To be honest, between, I would say, end of October until probably that cup semi, pretty much seemed to have packed it in. Don't know what was going on there. Looked like he couldn't be bothered every week. Duke, who was getting better every week, has suddenly decided to give up running about. We saw Carl Roberts on Monday, not a footballer at all, never want to see him again. There is a lot of issues, I think, in terms of who we've signed, how they're playing, and what we're going to do. The other problem is, is that all we have needed, urgently, really, because I think the rest of the positions are probably largely okay, is a defence. And our defence is currently made up of basically two players, one of which is on loan from Celtic and seems to not be bothering to play anymore. And the other one is is not good enough, I don't think. Oh, and they've both had two red cards each this season. High scales has been both against him, isn't it? Um, the interesting yep. thing as well, like we brought in obviously this boy Pollock on loan today. Uh, guy Gorka from Ajax is supposedly coming in. There's debate about whether if he comes in, will he actually get rid of one of our loan players? Because you're allowed six. Mm. So I don't know whether yeah, we'll I think we have some to. Yeah, I was looking at that today. Being an emergency keeper or not, who knows? I was looking into this today. So I don't think Julius is injured, is he? So I don't think that comes under the emergency loan rules. And yeah. no, I think we will have to get rid of one of them. Um, I... Scales. I think we can't... Different. Can't we can't get rid of any scales because we don't have a defence. Um, it's just, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I think um, not to like take anything away from Hibs, but I think it's not been their best season. As in, I would say us and Hibs have looked at times much and much about the same. Nothing really very special, quite scrappy, messy at the back, not looking particularly decent. And I think a 6-0 flatters Hibs insofar as... <laughs> That would not have been... I mean, no one was going to expect that, I don't think. And in the normal state of things, you'd expect that to be much... We had a 3-1 there, and I think we had a 2-0 at home. 2-0 at Pataudry. So 4-1, four, four I think it was. 
Oh, so it was. Was that not the one with the? Was that not the VAR game? The first VAR yeah. game we had, where we had a penalty, then it over, then another one. Yes, that was that one. So oh. that's the thing, pretty even. The six 0 I think, is probably more a reflection on how bad we are than Hibs being that great. I still don't think Hibs look brilliant, and I'm presuming you're hoping you're getting some players in tomorrow. Johnson wanted someone today, and he got one. So. He doesn't he want to do any. I've not seen uh, this. Not. We got CJ Egan Riley from Burnley. He was at Man City as well. Okay. So, other than that, we've only brought in one more. So, aye, what? it's been a more of an outgoing window than an incoming, which is what we needed. Well, I heard that Johnson said in that interview, "There's ten players I could get rid of tomorrow," and I thought, "Oh, lovely, great." He got he <laughs> got rid of he got management from him. He got he got rid of nine of them. So that's a that was positive. Presumably that is causing some issues. Um, I think so. I think it reminds me reminds me a lot of Neil Lennon, where he would lambast the players at every opportunity. Um, But at the end of the day, it falls on his head. You know, it's like it's almost similar to Goodwin. You know, I think if we'd lost on Saturday, I think the the pressure would have ramped up big time um, on him. But I ultimately, it's a results driven business. So I think if he if he goes on an R bad losing streak, I think he'll be away. You think he could turn it around? Like in terms of like if he was to qualify for Europe, do you think he would get the fans back on side or is is he lost credit in the bank that he may get hard? It's hard because I think looking at our next four games, we've got Ross County away, St Mirren away, Kelly at home, Livingston away. Realistically we should win three of the four of them. But no one Hibs will win one of the four of them and lose the other three probably. But I think if we if we do win at least three of them and that could put us at least, you know, six points clear and fourth. I think the fans would maybe start to turn, but obviously turn back the way anyway. But looking at the season as a whole, though, we've went out both cups at every at first opportunity. We've been beat. We've not been beat. We've been embarrassed by Hearts twice, um, and there's it's just not been it's not been entertaining football at the best of times. You know, obviously Saturday was good. Beat Livingston four 0 and I think, other than maybe the other Aberdeen game at Easter Road, there's not really been that many games where I'm like, I've actually left Easter Road entertained or left an away game entertained. It's just been very scrappy. Uh, we've ground out results when we needed to t- at times. And then there's also the, you know, losing 6-1 to Celtic, losing 4-0 home to Celtic, getting embarrassed up at Pataudry, losing at Dundee United when they were rock bottom of the league and we'd won four at our previous four. Like, there's there's been some... And losing 2-0 at home at Ross County, 2-1 to St. Johnson at home. There's been some bad results. And I think that's probably where most Hibs fans stand on him. Is like, he's just not... He's, I don't think he's got a plan B. And I struggle sometimes to see his plan A. But his substitutions are, are powder puff at the best of times. There's just no... There's no real tactical direction, I feel... So I think, I think you know, if we finish fourth comfortably and we beat Hearts in the next derby, maybe some fans will be brought back in. But I think the vast majority are of the opinion where I think time's up. And I think they're just waiting until the director of football comes in to get rid of them. Yeah, I was going to say, are you of the view that you need to move on? I think it's hard to come back from a lot of the comments and some of the yeah. interviews are a bit mad. And you just think, yeah. well, that's unlikely to stop. And I think that's what causes issues with the players, but then that's what causes issues with the fans. Yeah. And then you just have, I mean, that atmosphere on Saturday Easter Road from the Aberdeen fans, I'm guessing, was pretty horrific. 
Um, I mean, when your team gets booed back onto the pitch for the second half, is bad. Um, and very much like Darvel. That's the thing about Darvel. We were like, see, even if we score, and it goes to extra yeah. time, like, is anyone even going to like? If there'd been a goal, I don't even know what the celebration would have been like because yeah. obviously you're pleased you've scored, but also like the whole, it was the whole thing was just embarrassing. And, and you know when they turned the microphones down at the end of the Darvel, oh, game, yeah, 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 I can cheering, but. People I know watching live on BBC said that is not what you heard at first. Yeah. Um, I was um I was outside at half I, I was outside at half time with my dad having a wee chat while he was on a smoke and there was at least two hundred Aberdeen fans that walked past us and that's it like and some of my mates text me that are Aberdeen fans at twenty minutes like we've left already like it's not great and then when the fourth goal went in and the fifth and the sixth there was Aberdeen fans cheering the goals that went in like it's not it wasn't it was the Castle Hearts cheered the disallowed goal that Marley Watkins put in. And it ah, was like, you know, to an extent, it's like, oh, God, this is like hilarious, this is ridiculous. But also yeah. it is genuinely deeply embarrassing. And also that is, so for me, Hearts and Easter Road and Tynecastle, I was away on Saturday, thankfully. But they're my two closest games. Yeah. But that's so, and putting Darvel as well, in, the, in 10 days, people will have spent getting on for probably about two, three hundred quid. And Easily. about 15, minimum 15, 20 hours of travelling time to go and yep. watch a shit 12 goals, score none, and make an absolute show of ourselves. That is bad. That is bad. I, you know, I feel bad for Aberdeen fans. Like, I've I've watched Hibs be, be bad. Um, I've never seen us lose 6-0 on an away game, because thankfully I missed the one at Celtic Park early in the season. But it's just like, I think Aberdeen fans, that you know, the, the glory days are well, well, well behind you now. Like, the, the 80s have been and gone... I think Aberdeen are a bit like Hibs now. I think Hearts are definitely going to finish third this season. And I think both of us should be aiming to be fourth. You know, best of the, the rest, if you will. But I think unless Aberdeen get this next manager right, I heard Aberdeen fans in the stand calling for McInnes on Saturday. I'm not entirely sure that would be good to bring him back. Uh, I, think no, it was ironic. I think it was ironic. Shout from what I heard. But even then, like, Derek McInnes had used playing from what I could see anyway, like you were consistently in the top two while Rangers were out of the league, won a cup, but the football was the football was so boring. You know, you'd come I'd watch Aberdeen at Easter Road and thinking if they get the first goal, they're gonna put everyone behind the ball, and that's what they did. But I just think Aberdeen are in a bit of a mess. And it reminds me a lot of, of Hibbs last season where Maloney was just there was no real connection between the fans and the players and the the staff. So I think if you get the next one right, I think you'll be back up to where you should be in the league. But Ultimately, who is that? Who is the right man? Because I've seen shouts for Malo- I've seen shouts for Neil Lennon. Mm. Don't think that would work. I've seen shouts for Kevin Thompson. That would be borderline embarrassing if that happened. I think um, it's just that I think you need to bring in a safe option, which there's few and far between just now. So I would take uh, this is this is controversial. I would take Neil Lennon. It was guaranteed to the summer, and the summer only, no matter what happens. I think he gets results. I think he yeah. would come in and I think he would steady the ship enough. My risk, the risk there is that we did that. He does well enough. We get Europe or something and they keep yeah. him because I think Neil Lennon has, there are problems around Neil Lennon that I think can cause him to be a liability. He evidently falls out with players, which is a problem. He has some personal issues and I don't think that's what we need. And I think he is probably, managerially, probably a bit past it, I think. Celtic losing the Hibs. So when Hibs had last season as a Hibs good, Celtic started all right, and then losing it all just felt a bit lost the ten, not great. And 
But I would take him if it was gu- absolutely guaranteed. It would be only until the summer because I I do think he can grind out results. I don't think it's yeah short short term, not terrible. Um, Alex Neil, tell Alex Neil. I would have that Postacoglu. Get him. That'd be nice. Um, would you? Would you? Would you? Would you have Jack Ross? No. No. <laughs> no. That's because that, he. He had us playing some boring football while we finished third. I don't know if that's what. Yeah, uh, and to be fair, obviously, I've I mean, said... he's he's uh, he's still at Dundee United. I'll, I'll make Jeff laugh because it was that bad. But I think that's he's. My I concern think... that that is actually his managerial skills, and it's it I don't see that he is. I don't see that he's any better. So the Derek McInnes thing as well, to be clear, the fact that we are in the situation that we're in does not mean it was not the right thing for Derek McInnes to have gone. Absolutely. And I think oh, no, absolutely. there's a lot of people who are big fans of Derek McInnes. I was a big fan of Derek McInnes. But A, he shouldn't be coming back. Kamarna are they flying at the bottom, aren't they? And mm-hmm. B, he should have gone when he went. In fact, he should have actually gone before he went. Because yeah. it's hard. At the time, it was hard to see it because we were still getting Europe and we were still getting results and we were still... You know, grinding out one nils and stuff and managing to stay up the table. But it had been pretty bad for about two years. So, you know, we were finishing where we were finishing because other teams weren't brilliant and we managed to, you know, the football was pretty awful to watch, but we were getting three points regularly enough. The issue now is that I don't want to become, and this is not to get hips, but I don't want to become a team that is churning a three managers because I think that is the worst thing you can start doing. Yeah. So... And I'm not saying get someone in and keep them forever, but the teams that tend to do well are teams that have a consistent manager. And if you have a not great period, you suffer through it. So Alex Ferguson, when he went to Man U, not great. And then look at that. And there are, you know, there are managers who have bad spells. I think there's a difference between a bad spell and clearly things. I mean, the, the football monitoring board wanted an immediate response. We get batters six on Easter Road. Yeah. Absolutely mental. So I actually think if it'd be mm-hmm. one or two nil, or I don't, two one would have probably got away. Two one, something like that. Maybe one nil. I think if it'd been that sort of loss, we'd have probably kept him because it's not an absolute embarrassment. It's not the worst result we'd ever have. And we'd have gone on to we've got two home games back to back and then a break because there's no cup. But six nil. I mean, that's what does make you think. Are these players bothered? Because how? You know, I I don't think Hibs look brilliant. It'd be interesting. I think I'd like to get someone in before the end of the season because I don't want to be scrabbling about for manager. Who would you have, John? There's no one I can genuinely think just now that I would actually kind of absolutely want. But obviously, the latest name that's been linked is Chris Wilder, but he's saying that he's not going to apply for the job. But if he was offered it, he would consider it. Yeah, so um, I don't get that. Like that feels very like I'm not going to bother myself to get if the admin but if someone phones me up I'll have it very strange but yeah. also that's generally how managerial jobs work anyway they don't like they're not going to open up applications and that's people for like to fill in a form they will just phone people up so I don't think he'd be a terrible idea um the other ones I've seen and this is more a fans and some of the podcasts saying was the guy Barky at, at, at I think it's Lola Strong but I don't know much about him it's not but the one that played for Leeds. Uh, we'll get Mark McGee in for last. Oh, that would be good. joking, by the way, about that. I'm completely joking. Um, that's not happening. Uh, that would be... Peter Barker, that's the guy that some people that's... online were mentioning. He's at Lutlestrom in Norway. 
so like someone a wee bit different. And then I've seen was it ABZ podcast. I've mentioned this boy Marty Creafentas. I might have pronounced his name wrong, but he's at Hammerby. Um, My boss was saying yesterday he'd like someone Scandinavian. So, but I think someone who doesn't know Scottish football would be a good show. To to be honest, the one that keeps popped that I've I've seen it only mentioned once when I was trying to do research for something else earlier on. And that was David Martin. It would not be a wind up, Jeff. No, it's not a wind up. This one, it's David Martindale. <laughs> Normally, it's a wind up. David Martindale. He knows. That's also no for me. But yeah, it seems to be. Funniest thing is, though, so my mum would be absolutely famous. So my mum, my dress in football, but when I watch sports and everything, and my mum's forced to watch it, she Definitely. despises David Martindale. And she would, she, when he does his post match interview, she can't listen. She cannot stand him. So she'd be absolutely <laughs> furious. But I think he is another one where there's a lot of issues around it. I think he's got a job for life at Livingston if he wants to anyway, type of thing. Um, and I'm not sure whether it would work out with other clubs. Um, One of my pals texted me and said, said Marky Mackay. Brilliant. Uh, I'd, you know what? That would be, and I've, like, I don't like people who joke about this also. So many people, I'm not going back until given sat. I'm never going back. Oh, don't go then. Great, good. Um, Fine. Funny. But Marky Mackay, I'd struggle because I'd, he's very problematic, man. See, after the podcast last week, we were talking about it and we said how it was more likely to be someone that's not in work than in work. So the missus started kind of looking up names that are unemployed in football. Oh, and she knows about football, right? But she came up with uh, Thomas Tickle. I said, aye, good luck with that one. Yeah. Uh, Zinedine uh-huh. Zidane. Zinedine Zidane. So there we go. And uh, Andre Villas-Boas. So, um... I would take any of them, actually. <laughs> yeah. I did say we're unlikely to splash out for any of those, but... Um... Aye, uh, obviously turn in cheek uh, with those names that were suggested, but just been the fact they were on the I might have Lampard just for a laugh. I heard a name get mentioned, and I don't know whether to make I suppose I can mention it now, maybe. Right, so someone I know had said that you had heard last week that someone had potentially been offered the job, and it was he manages down south, Gareth Ainsworth at Wickham. No, because no, we've already got someone from Wickham and it's Anthony Stewart, for... so if that's the level of quality, no thank you. But he, in terms of stability, he has been there for nine years, but he's always said that it would take something very special for him to leave. Yeah, that's not us, is it? Come on. <laughs> Surely. Oh, you said it. Uh, just on the... Obviously, Jack Ross is unemployed. I wanted to mention earlier, but I completely, completely missed it. Uh, what we said about player power, because Jack Ross is absolutely categorically like, left United due to, to player power issues. Um, and there will be other managers this season that have had the same. But the thing that did make me laugh is the amount... Obviously, Goodwin's obviously left out of the We're all consciously aware of that now. But it's the fact that whoever comes in has got half the season. End of a transfer. The transfer window will be closed by the time it's whoever it is comes in. The amount of players from different managers at Aberdeen may well start to be an issue because it's definitely an issue for Jack Ross at United. And he fell out with key players. <laughs> we can all work out which one. A very attractive key player, some would say. Um, so whoever comes into Aberdeen will either need to be a Neil Ellen, Neil Ellen, Neil Lennon S. Just cut people outright. Just, right, you're going. Or they're going to need to be someone different who is very, can try and mould them. And that's a difficult choice because I think it hits. I think Lee Johnson might start being better now that he's got called a lot of players. And effectively, that's why he's had to do it, Hibbs. He's had to call yeah. players because the substitutions he's had to make 
from the outside look like they've been made not so much as a tactical decision, but as a you need game time decision because he's had that many players. I think at Aberdeen then I'll you, well, you guys have started to run into a similar situation where it's it's a big playing squad, and we've got big playing squads that never ends well. The season United got relegated, we had I think at one point thirty eight professionals over the age of twenty one on the books, which is obviously utterly ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm not saying that I've been or Hibs for that matter at risk of getting relegated, but it is worth noting with this turnover of managers, playing squads get bigger and bigger, but they very rarely shrink. Very easily, yep. so I think that's obviously worth worth noting as well. Whoever comes in is going to have to pull or going to have to stick with the man for a season, no matter how bad it gets, really, within reason, obviously, to allow him to build a squad that he actually wants and not what other people have put together for him. That's the point. <laughs> I remember last year when Goodwin came in. Goodwin was pretty early on telling folk that weren't part of his plans, you know, part of my plans. Whereas we didn't have particularly big a squad, and we end up in problems because. They're then telling folk, well, you're not welcome here. And then if you have to use them, like, do they really care? Oh, balance that, isn't it? I don't know. I don't think we've got a particularly big squad. The problem is we've got a very unbalanced squad. Uh, oh, well, we should probably move on um, <laughs> in terms of let's get some maybe some um, happier times or maybe not so happy times um, in terms of the kind of fan special side of things for you, Charlie. So we'll kick off with a couple of questions that we had from some of our guys in the podcast team. Um, right, okay, that's a good one. This is John always likes this one. Favourite home and away shirts over your time supporting Hibs? Yeah, uh, I, I favourite home one has to be the one we won the cup in in 2016. Um, the bottle green with the white collar um, doesn't get much better than that. Um, I think that I the whole the kits we had that season were quite nice. We had a purple and green away one that year as well, which was really nice. But I think my favourite away one is a hard one because I'm not really big on away kits. But if I had to pick one, probably I think it was early two thousands. It was like a it was actually it was season two thousand two thousand one. It was white with a green collar. And it was had Carlsberg on it, and it was the first. It was actually the, both of those kits. I got them a couple of months ago, and I paid a, a hell of a lot of money for them because they're two I've wanted forever. So I would probably say the aye, that's my favourite away one. Really, really nice. Okay, cool. Uh, when, so when did you start sporting hips? What kind of age? Um, so I was born in '97. Uh, my first game was 2002. 2003, one of those, okay. either year. But I started watching Hibs in 2000, so my first game I ever watched was when we beat Hearts 6-2. So it was a pretty good pretty good first game to watch and then watch us play E.K. Athens on the telly. And then first game was in 2002 or three, one of them, against Parthic Thistle and we won 2-1, I think. I all the family then. You said your dad was obviously the game on Saturday, so all your Hibs, all the family Hibs. I all, all my family on my nana's side anyway, so dad, granddad, uncle, all my siblings are. But my mum's side's all Rangers, so I don't really talk to them about football. I don't know about football then. So it must have been special then for the likes of your family and older relatives who would maybe think that they'd missed the chance of winning the Scottish Cup when they won the Scottish Cup in 2016. What was that like in terms of who can you put that into context? It was, I don't think there's a, there's a scene like it in football. Um, I spoke to a lot of my Celtic mates that are like, oh, it's just another cup win for you, isn't it? But 
you know, when you've not won the cup in 114 years, just to see the see you've actually done it, it was just it was amazing. Like I was there, with my brother and my best mate. My dad was like, "I'm not going back to Hamden because I never see Hibs win." So that was uh, his mistake. Oh. Uh, <laughs> he never he oh, never went to the final, yeah. and uh, he, he he actually doesn't regret not going. Um, he watched it at home uh, with my other brother, so it was nice for them to watch it together. But I uh, to watch it in the ground, and uh, my best mate that I went to passed away two years afterwards. So it was it was all it makes it a wee bit more special that I got to watch it with him. And then obviously he got to see the he got to see us win the cup before he passed. And I think it was it was also it was more sentimental as well because I'm like I know there are so many people in the stadium like dad and granddad that haven't seen this. Yeah. So it was you know it was just. The, oh, the best day of my life by a country mile and just the celebrations were, were great like the pitch invasion gets a lot of bad press but I think any team that's in that situation like if I'd imagine the next closest one to it is Dundee when they eventually win the cup their fans will do the huh. same like and I, I don't think Dundee will ever win the Scottish Cup but I think like there was just that like I think it's just pure joy that we won you know we've finally done it and the Seen out like two two hundred fifty thousand people at the parade the next day. Like it's just it's just amazing, you know. And there's not like I say, there's no a scene in football like it. I think. I think as well, much as like him used to get a total slagging for it at the end of the game. Obviously, we hear sunshine and leaf getting sun and everything yeah. like that, and they will pouring emotion. I think you'd be hard pressed to find many folk who are like I right oh. okay, fair play. Yeah. Um. So. I I think that was top class. To top class. Is that then got to be your favourite memory watching the Hibs? Is there anything else that compares? I think that has to be. It has to be the the top. I was the mascot as well when we beat Celtic in 2003 in the League Cup quarter-final, so that was pretty cool as well to walk out with, walk out with Gary Smith um, and get to meet all the players beforehand, but obviously supporting the club, it has to be the Cup. There's no... There's no other thing that comes close to it. And then, unless we win the league, then that might be. But I don't even think that's a realistic possibility at this present moment in time. I unfortunately, I can't see anyone but the gruesome twosome winning it for, Aye. for a die, probably, unfortunately. Um, in terms of, like, on the flip side, though, worst memory. So, John, or John asks, what was worse, the 5-1 Cup final or getting relegated by Hamilton? Oof, that's tough. I think for pure shock value, it has to be getting relegated. Like, Hibs team that season, the 2012 one, we were lucky that Dunfermline were worse than us because we probably should have went down. But um, that uh, that team under Butcher was just absolutely brutal. I can't, rem- I can't remember how many games he won as Hibs manager, but I'd be surprised if it was over five. And it was just, you know, we won, beat them first leg and you're going to Easter Road thinking, oh, quality, we're in the league for another year and then, bye. Jason Cummins missed the last penalty and that was it. There was a massive protest outside the stadium and thankfully they sacked Butcher the next day and brought in Alan Stubbs and the rest is history. But aye, definitely though, getting relegated is the worst I've ever seen Hibs. Aye. Favourite manager? Alan Stubbs, purely because he won the cup. I think if we're looking at entertainment value watching Hibs, it's probably Tony Mowbray, but... Purely because he won the cup, Alan Stubbs. I think if any manager had won the cup, they would take that. But aye, it has to be Stubbsy. Aye. Think he left too early in terms of think he should have stayed on. Obviously, he went to Rotherham. Ah, to be honest, mate, I wanted him out regardless of that cup final. I think the the fact that we finished third in a two horse race that league, in that league that season, Falkirk finished above us. I think his time was up, but 
obviously he left a hero, but it's all it's it's not worked out well for him afterwards, to be honest. I think Hibbs might have been Hibbs is probably the well, definitely is the peak of his career when you look at how bad Rotherham went and then Sitmarin and I don't think he's had a job since Sitmarin, but maybe back down at Everton in some capacity. But I I think he probably did leave too early, but I also think like he, he, we would have won the league that season after regardless so it was probably right that he left winning the cup Aye see the season that you were in well, I'm not saying the season the seasons you were in the championship did you enjoy it in terms of like going to different crowns and different experiences or was it a bit torture? The first two were, were really good because Hearts were there and Rangers were there for two of them but the third one was like just get this season over and get us up like we had done the United there we had St Mirren there so we had a few good games like uh, I remember one game against Dundee United that third season in the Championship that we beat them 3-0 and it was the best I'd seen Hibs play in a long, long time. We were just... And I think we sold out that night at Easter Road, which in the Championship is very rare that you get a, a home sellout. So, But I, I think towards the end, it was it was obviously nice to go to more away games because I got to a lot of away grounds in the Championship. But towards the end, it was just like, get us up and let's see what like, players like John McGinn and that can do in the Premiership because I think he was... He was ready for the Premiership again by that point. Aye. I can second that. When people say they're disappointing about the relegation stuff, that is disappointing, but it's not as disappointing as losing the bloody playoffs when you just... <laughs> that season... It's the novelty wears off after like the third round of playing mm, each other. Yep. And then, yeah, you get some playoffs and then it's just, come on, just get it all yep. done with. And then, obviously, because United are special, <laughs> they couldn't be bothered doing that. But... <laughs> I'd say that the disappointment. I think it was Livy one was really was like really bad because we had Livy and then obviously they played part of the the round after. It's absolutely categorical. I I mean maintain this to that United would have beaten Partick, but, but nah, yeah, they play off sort of torture. There's always that one does. team that pops up in the championship that can just beat you home and away, and you've got no yeah. idea how. So yeah, I can, I can second that. <laughs> See on the subject of Wigan, then what was your favourite that you you can have visited when you're in the championship? I really like Queen of the South. Um, I'm a big, I'm a sucker for a long away game. Um, Queen of the South is a, it's a class we like. Dumfries is a class we place to go and watch football. Like, there's a lot of good pubs around about it, um, and the stadium's old, the stadium's really old school, which I really like. There's still that terrace in, and there's the wee stand as well. But I think that, or I really enjoyed going to uh, Aloha as well. I think that's that's another wee. Not a wee nice ground, especially with a. It's pretty much all terracing. Um, so I would say those two. Um, but I, they they were they were good. And I think it was I there because the other ones were just a bit meh. Like I went to Dundee away and I was like, oh, could they want to be here? Aye, plus seen them in the Premiership at times. Not like a couple. That's it. Not a fan of couple. I quite like Capo. Oh, that's a good. I forgot we played Morton. Aye, Capo was nice. I think. The only time I went to Capital Hibs put a free bus on for supporters, so you got to go on that. And we had a, they dubbed it as having a club legend on the bus, but we got Kevin Thompson, so I wasn't really enamoured by that. Um, but I Capital is nice. Um, I would go. I was hoping that we would get a team like that in the cup this year, but obviously we got the other lot for the city, and that was short lived. But I, I do, I do enjoy getting to go to to new grounds and seeing what they've got to offer. Yeah, what's your favourite away ground in the top flight? It's a good question. Quite like Ross County. Everyone Quite like the day out thing was so good. I've got have a, a I've got have you ever had a picnic on the train going at Ross County? I've only ever got myself. 
<laughs> Only ever had the support the supporters <laughs> bus, but I, I um, takes I'm about gonna... three days to get there and back. It's a oh, uh, um, tiny, Worth tiny it. place. Yeah. Not the best stadium I've ever seen. It is yeah. uh, brilliant, though, isn't it? What a day oh, out. Although, the Mallard is top class. I think I, kind of, <laughs> I think I want them to go down. I want them down now. I, I hate I think, anything North, I think Ab- anything North Aberdeen. Going to Ross County, and we play them away again in April. So that'll be nice. Yeah. Big day out. Everyone will enjoy it. Like 18 hour round trip. Great. That's all fine. But now they can they can go after this season. Fed up with them. I, I'm going up tomorrow night and it's uh, it'll be a long one. Bus leaves at two o'clock and I'll get back about two o'clock in the morning. So it'll be it'll be fun. But I was I, say what you, of course of course it's mid week, we play some minutes. Uh, fun, got, laugh. I know, but um, no, I think I Ross County or St Johnston actually. St Johnston's a great wee away day. We um we have a lot of fun there. Um because the fans just wind each other up. It's great, you know, mm-hmm. singing songs and they'll retaliate and vice versa. So I, I think those nice two as well there. Pies are good. Pies are good at Dingwall as well. So, Pies yeah, are good awesome, but it's so cold. It is like, oh, it's freezing. I'm not, not looking forward to it tomorrow. What is your best pie at Scottish stadiums? Steak and chorizo at St Johnston. Yes. Hands down. Always is. We'll have to do, we'll do a big vote. But then we should be keeping a note every week. That's what we should be doing. But yeah, it's Actually, you know what's that? An, an underrated one is uh, steak and black pudding at Arbroath. I had one of them last year in the cup yeah. and a... Uh, I was hoping that Hibs would have got relegated so we could play them next season, but it's not looking likely now. But um, pie, it was a very, very good pie. Venison oh. haggis, uh, um, kind of good. Uh, mm. Chicken curry at Motherwell, good. Actually, macaroni at Dundee United's all right. Uh, but Sagan Jason Johnston is absolutely outstanding. One that I had the other day, I think I'll put it in the group chat. See, I was at the Queen's Park game, obviously, that's Denny. <laughs> We're not going to the stadiums. But um, the pies at Stenny are like, Oh, amazing. Like, yeah, actually, no, that's I not cannot... yeah, steak pie there is not bad. It was surprising. My mate had a macaroni pie there. The guy was like, oh, yeah, it's one of the best ones you'll ever try. Now. It's a hard it's like I'd said that the boy was correct. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely amazing. I um, did, I had a pie on Monday, last Monday at Darvel. Atrocious. Aye, that wasn't the real pies, though, because that was like some kind of burger van type thing. But yeah, pies and they were genuinely pies. awful. I was gutted. Um, I... I, I didn't have anything. I'd got something to eat before it. CNA Seville, what did you have to eat? Did you have anything? Nothing actually. No, but I heard, so there was a hot dog mentioned. Apparently a very cold hot dog, a very cold bun, but some nice sauce, crispy onion things, but that was the feedback. It's not, it's not big in Spain, I think. Uh, sandwiches at half time. They, they always eat sandwiches at half time. I didn't investigate, um, but very good stadium. Nice, old school, very steep. Like, mm. you know, when you're going up and you're like, oh, Christ. Um, I'm not the best like, at heights. But good. Need to, like, jump in the toilet and drink the water? Um, <laughs> no. No, I actually find that there were drinks available. Could quite easily buy a number of refreshments. Um, refreshments at the football? There were refreshments. There was a, a very, very good crowd. Uh, good atmosphere, nice. Um, first half, brilliant. Three goals, and I thought this is oh, so What was the refreshments? I don't, know. I don't care about the crowd. What was your... Um, well, the hot dogs seem to be the main thing. That seems to be popular. Drinks. Um, a non-alcoholic beer. Rubbish. Oh, oh. Alcoholic oh, beer. I thought you could have a pint. Were you in the home like end a proper the end? one? The home end? I thought you'd get a pint. Because uh, I know Germany. Germany. Like, I, well, Germany, some of the grounds, what they do is in the home I end. I also think I did in Barcelona. You can get an alcoholic beer at the away end sometimes to give you 
either watered down beer or they give you low alcohol beer. So, no, a uh, proper pint in Germany. I thought you could in Spain. It's not sure I did at Barcelona, but I guess it's maybe dependent on stadiums. But very nice um, atmosphere, good game. Um, first half, excellent. Second half, quite boring. But uh, good, yeah. Nice. Do you know what? It was just nice to go to a game and just think, this will be fine. Like, enjoy the game. Just enjoy it. Lovely. But, um, yeah, up to Aberdeen Wednesday we go again. And then next Saturday... So I've been in a mother while back-to-back home games and a few months ago you'd have thought, oh, that's six points, but who, who knows? Yeah, who knows what will happen indeed. It'd be 9-0 in both of them. It's always fun when that happens. It's only three points, isn't it? Who <laughs> cares? You've been vastly improved, it seems, Jeff. Only 2-0 this week, was it? I know. It's literally, I was, I was getting busy. This is a good season, <laughs> stupid goals, what's going on? Nah, um, <laughs> The only thing that's annoyed me since Fox took over is um, our second half performances seem to be getting like worse against the old film. Like we do really well for the first forty-five minutes, and then he must say something at halftime, and all like doing really well. And the guys, like, yeah, cheers, mate, and just stop. Also, like uh, as much as it pains me to say, I'm not really sure how the Kyogo penalty wasn't <laughs> was checked and not given because uh, I thought that was a that was a that was a painful one, but now you're not doing well. They haven't signed me on this window, which is um, interesting. Uh, Did you get anyone in tomorrow? I doubt it. To be honest, like, there hasn't really been anyone linked, uh, and that usually usually pops up pretty rapid if someone's linked. Do you and need all... anyone? As in, like, is are you bothered particularly? Are they on the dub table, Aaron? Yeah, they definitely need people. Well, yeah, yeah you know what I mean. Is in like, is there a specific position, or is there like? Or is it just it'd be nice to get some new players? Like, are you so we are obviously desperate for defence because we simply do not have one. And obviously, Hibs have had Porteous leaving things. And is there a dire need for anyone in particular? Uh, A right pack would be quite nice, seeing as we don't really, (laughs) seeing as the two that we have don't really. We've got a guy called Richardson who you you could have if you like. No. But, I mean, outside of that, not too bad. It'd be nice to get a striker that was actually going to score a goal. That would be quite a novelty. We've got a guy called Callum Roberts. You'd also be welcome to. See, Luke. See, it's a friendship. This friendship across the divide. Thanks, um, Do you think the boy McLeod will get goals? I know he's young, but is he? what's he look like so far in his appearances? He's looked he's looked really good, but he doesn't look like that out-and-out goal scorer, if you know what I mean. He looks like he's going to set up the goals, which is United's forte. And setting in getting players that are good at setting up, but no one really finishes. Um, we could also do with a centre back because Jaimo Blue is not going to carry on forever. It's turning circle, it's, t- it's turning time is as long as a week in jail. He is still good on the dead board, his passing range is still phenomenal. Uh, young boy Ross Graham. It's starting to get more game time, which is it's nice to see. He looks like he's going to be a capable centre-half, but I don't think he's your answer to, to many of the problems. Um, even against Sterling Uni, we had a couple of moments where our back line were getting ran at. And, yeah, we've tried to controlled it pretty much the entire game, but there's a couple of occasions when they went past a few players. you got Liam Smith, who I'm sure used to be a footballer one day. Uh, and then you've got Scott McMahon, who when he first signed for United looked phenomenal, and then since then has just, just not. Um, uh, you're trying in the middle to of the park. Centre back, then, though, aren't you? Oh, the three at the back. 
Uh, but it's like real bad. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying to watch. Also, like every ball gets put over his head, and he just, he just, he just, just, he just cannot jump. He just cannot catch uh, get any of them. The other thing that's annoying, and it's annoying a lot of people at the minute, is Dylan Levitt seems to be playing quite deep. Mm. And whilst he is capable, he is much more capable when he's slightly further forward. And that's quite annoying to everyone involved. Uh, so, yeah, a centre-half would be nice to see. And a striker that could score goals. I mean, Stephen Fletcher's really good, but Stephen Fletcher's really good at holding the ball up for Stephen Fletcher. <laughs> he just hasn't realised that he needs need someone else. I can pull him in the back of the net. And Tony Watt, I, yeah, I don't think he's happy. I don't, I'm not necessarily happy tonight. It's probably the wrong way of putting it, but I don't think he's happy with his position. I think he'd prefer to be more in the middle and he's out, pushed out on the wing. Um, but Glenn Middleton seems to be in quite a decent run of form at the minute. So that's, that's quite nice. He seems quite no, I, scored I don't know. He scored against Hibbs, which was quite a good goal. He scored against, uh, obviously, Stead Mimi, but we'll caveat that at that. He he's really good running with the ball. And United have got a couple of players who are quite good with running with the ball. But Liam Fox does not seem to be that kind of manager. He seems to prefer the passing game rather than a player taking it taking it forward by himself. But yeah, I don't think we're going to sign anyone. We've got the LinkedIn on. And the only move that's going to interest United fans is uh, if if Harry sort of gets that move to Leicester City because that'll bag us three billion quid, which is obviously quite nice. No. And then Tony Watt might believe in us, really. I don't know. This the rumor about Tony Watt has been linked since the start of the window. Like I mean, the very first day of the window opening, he was linked with a move. It didn't. It, it doesn't seem to be coming about. Some of the places have been linked. He's already been at beforehand, and it didn't work there beforehand. So I don't think it'll start working second time round. Also, United paid not a lot of money, but they did pay money for him, and they're not really in the business of. Wasting that, and I don't think I think Tony Watt, if he's played through the middle more, would be a very good player for United. I just don't think he, he's played through that middle. I can see for the reasons why Stephen Fletcher needs to be through the middle because he hasn't got the pace to, to be on the wing and he needs to be there. But yeah, also, I think we'll probably get this season out of Stephen Fletcher, and that'll probably be it for him, realistically. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll stay around after that. Um, We've obviously got, got quite an old, we've got quite a strange squad in the fact that we've got three or four players that are, say old, obviously old with football and reasons. And then the rest of them seem to be fairly young. We don't have much in the middle, which I know is a tactic a lot of Scottish teams have got these days because obviously younger players get us money, etc., etc. But United seem to be quite, we seem to be relying on two older players a lot more than most teams seem to be. Your problem would be similar though when we're talking earlier about managers, like because you've had Mellon, mm. Coops, yep. yep. Mel Fox, Ross. like in, <laughs> in, in a short period of time. So like, you don't get a chance to build a team. So that's naturally what happens is you end up going for like free transfers, you're getting a year deal or stuff like that, or you try and put in two of the youngsters in the hope that they're good enough to play. Yeah. I think that's the reason why I went for Scott Fox, uh, Liam Fox. He's been there, he's been there a wee while. So I think that they went for him knowing that he's been there for a while, so he knows the players, to try and circumvent that issue. Because if they've just gone and bought in, I don't know, let's just say, let's just say Mark McGee for the, for the sake, right? Obviously, that would never have happened, but say it was Mark McGee, right? Then 
he'd obviously brought in his own players. He doesn't know these previous players, but at least Liam Fox has a kind of relationship with them. So I can see the thinking behind it. Whether I agree with it or not, it's a different matter, but I can see the thinking behind it. But I personally don't think Liam Fox has been as bad as I think everyone expected. I think that's because everyone's expectation was so low. Also, it's quite early. He's massive... quite new to the job as well, so you've got to give him a bit of time. Uh, it was, it was, he was Calvin Beef manager. <laughs> that was successful. Uh, but I've said that. Um, Tam Colts was only Cal- uh, Cal- Hart's manager before before we go, going into like the coaches more lower down coaching scale. So Scott Burns worked in the past. Sorry? Scott Burns is trying to link Tam Colts to Aberdeen. Maybe. I can see it. it, it I wouldn't get excited though. <laughs> Trust me, uh, I would not get excited over that. Murder. Uh, I was having a wee look on the internet just to see if there was any other rumours about transfer deadline day. Hibbs, supposedly, have been linked with Johnny Williams. Office uh, Swindon? Aye. Uh, that, uh, that would be Harry McCurdy happy. He's got a friend. Um, I think that's, well, why, that's maybe what he needs. I think he's he was the star of uh, Sunday until I die, wasn't he? He was pretty good at night. He was injured at the time, I think. Ah, yeah, that's right, he was on that. Was I, would ta- I would take that. So, he went to the World Cup with Wales. Yeah. I would take that. So that's one that I've seen in the last half hour or so. I don't see much else happening. I don't know. Celtic have obviously done all their business. I don't think anything else will happen. I know some folk try to speculate that the fact that Nesbitt aren't going to Millwall, maybe would Celtic or Rangers be sniffing about? I hope I not. Know. I, I, I I think he's well with but he's been quite sensible in terms of his career moves that he's going to go yep. he's not going to go to somewhere and be potentially even third choice I know you can say his, his money obviously I don't know did he, reject, Liverpool, but... did he not reject Birmingham City last season or was it someone mm-hmm. yeah I can remember someone Martin Boyle rejected Birmingham City last season I, I don't know it was a strange one because we accepted three and a half million six months after he came and he rejected it. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, Aberdeen have recalled Tom Ritchie from Peterhead, but I think that would just be to be third choice probably because the boy from Ajax, as I said earlier, looks like coming in. Um, trying else. Well, you've said Dundee United, no one. Hearts, I think, have probably done all their business. They've been probably the most active and busy in the market. The Rangers have done quite a bit. <laughs> They've got Cantwell, obviously. But they've, they're still trying to get deals across the line, aren't they? Because they're trying to get that boy Raskin, the centre midfielder. And then I think, I don't know, is there maybe talk about them trying to get another striker in, possibly? There was a boy for Swansea, but apparently that's been kind of bust by Swansea. Aye, Whitaker. Yeah. Like he's on loan somewhere. I don't remember where that is. He, I know Swansea were, I, I don't know, I don't know, they led one of their key strikers away to Burn, uh, Burnley on a Loan to buy option, which I think may have I watched that. And then I did see Rangers again. Is it Alex? Is it Alex Lowry? Is the one that's been linked to have a move away? Oh, here's something that's breaking. I don't know if it's supposedly Rangers have um, resigned from the lower league, the B team. Good. That's a good thing. Um, happy with that. Michael Beale believes it doesn't help them, doesn't they prepare them for the league, which I think we said. Years ago, it's not as if a player's going to impress in a long league and then that's the next season they're going to be playing for Rangers or Celtic. They're also so below training. They're also below training juniors, so it's not really working, is it? Nah. 
the entire thing was pointless. Like, yeah, I disagree with it at the time. I, I'm not a madman about it, but they see when they're resigning, they're just resigning from the end of the season. I think because they, yeah. they went yeah. mid season, they'll get fine, won't they? Um, but I don't know if there'll be much else that will happen. I never really as much that happened in the last day in Scotland. There might be some loan deals that will happen, maybe. Once English clubs decide who are keeping and all that type of thing, but I don't expect anything to stand out. I think, I think there'll be a few outgoings for Hibs, for what I've heard. But we've turned down two offers today for one for Josh Campbell and one for Nisbet, both from Wigan. So Maloney's trying to raid the club, which is, uh, is what I'm hearing. So. Aye. Uh, Kalarik have signed someone. Luke Chambers from, like, maybe from Liverpool. I'd guess oh. it's a loan deal. Can't say no. That's in the last hour or so. I see that. Uh, I don't think Livy will do any business. I don't think. I think there'll be many teams doing a lot. lot. Uh, now, anyway, it's that late in the window. It's not less of. Like I said, the one that I've been intrigued by is to see where, if anyone in Scotland takes Alex Lowry on loan, because I think he's quite a. Promising young player, but it appears that Rangers' preference is to send players on loan to England rather than in Scotland. Yeah, yeah, which is obviously entirely their, entirely their bag. But yeah, that seems to be quite a preference for them. Uh, um, right, shall we finish off some quick crowd questions? Hi. Yes. Um, favorite drink, Charlie. Uh, iced tea. Iced tea? No, I drink. Oh, you mean an alcoholic or? Aye. No, oh, alcoholic. Good. Sorry. Uh, Guinness for alcoholic or iced tea for non-alcoholic. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Um, we've met. I we've covered favorite five, favorite manager. Who were your heroes growing up? Hibs fans wise. Uh, Derek Ryerden, Stephen Whitaker. Uh. And Scott Brown. Derek Ryan has to be the most frustrating player ever. Purely. Oh, he, he, mate, he was... Potential. Him, Ga- him, Gary O'Connor, and I would argue Stephen Fletcher should have had a lot better careers than they did. I know Fletcher played for Marseille and what have you, but they could have easily went to the top. Who would you said was the best of the three? Uh, for natural goal-scoring ability, Stephen Fletcher. Uh, Gary- Derek Radden, I'll get it right third time. Derek Radden could just pick a ball up anywhere on the pitch and it would more often than not turn into either a shot on target or a goal. So I would say he was the best of the three, but he was also probably the most frustrating of the three. Uh, I've said it many a time before, but I always thought that he was going to be the one for Scotland in terms of coming yeah. through. It reminded me of on we in terms of he would always cut yeah. from the left, score, just yeah. loads of natural ability, but unfortunately just he's off the pitch. Uh, what would be your death row meal, see closer? Uh, I'll go tempura prawns to start. Uh, steak, chips, onion rings, mushrooms for main, and sticky toffee pudding for dessert. Right, okay. And at a death row meal, if you have to have three footballing type people at the meal, who would they be? Can be dead or alive? For the pure shithousery of it, I would have Harry McCurdy there because he, I think he's, I think he's a bit of a raj. Um, I would have Sir Alex Ferguson so I could talk to him about 
football because I think he's he's one of my heroes. Although I'm a Liverpool fan, uh, I like him a lot. I think he revolutionised what it means to be a manager. And I would probably have... Uh, who's the, I'd probably have Pele as well, just to talk to him about how many goals he apparently scored in football. But aye, the three of them. Um, right, fair enough. You get any, um, Jeff? At all? Uh, no. <laughs> no, no that's fine. Um, we'll finish off then with the, the one we usually finish off with when we've got a kind of guest special, fan special. What would be your all time 1 to 11? In your time supporting Hibs? Oof. Great question. The goalkeeper's hard because the goalkeeper's hard because we've had some absolutely sham ones. Uh, I think I've worked it. Right, I'll go Rocky Marciano in goal. I think he was uh, pivotal to us finishing third. Um, right back. I'd have to go Whitaker. I think uh, from an early age, I could tell he was going to move to one of the old firm. Um, he was just very, very good. Centre halves, I'd have Rob Jones and Frank Sose. I think the two of them were, they just knew how to play football. Uh, left back, David Murphy. Yeah. Uh, what formation are we going here? 4 3 3, or is up to me? 13. Right, I'll go three midfielders, three attackers, then I'll go. Scott Brown, John McGinn, and Guillaume Buzelan in the mid. I think the three of them would win Hibs a league. Um, I think the I three of them are I. just quality. Um, behind the strikers, I'll go two up front. Uh, behind the strikers, I'll have Russell Lappe, um, just, a, just a magician on the ball. Um, strikers, uh, Derek Ryardin, and I go. Lee Griffiths, but I know there's a bit off field stick with him. But I think when I he was probably the first striker that because I was very young when I started watching Hibs, and I think Lee Griffiths is probably the first striker. I was like, what a player! Good, good score. Love the goal against Hearts. Um, won us, won us a few games single handedly, especially the semi final against Falkirk. See what he done for Scotland against England. Um, bye. I'd say that's my team. Um, it's hard to pick that because there's been a few good players play for Hibs over the years, but I I would say that would be my team. Aye, good team. And then would it be Stubbs as manager then? It would be Stubbs as manager. Um, I think he would get the best of that team. Aye, no, that's a good team. I like it. I like it a lot. Right, nice one, Charlie. Good having you on again. Aye, thanks for having me back on, mate. Aye, no worries. We'll get you back on, definitely. Um, that January. But we'll even maybe get you on before the end of the season podcast as well. It's always good having you on. Good to have you back, Jeff. Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure as always. Um, and I need to, I've started ending the podcast now with the, the new catchphrase, which is happy football. So, there you go. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs>